0: You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Sainz. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. Amen. God bless you, friends, as you give. I'm Mike Sainz, the lead pastor here at the Harbor, and we are delighted to see you. Amen. Are you glad to be in God's house today? Amen. Thank you, Brother Ken, and let me welcome you uh... to the church as well as to our brand new series for easter uh... that we open a brand new series entitled scandalous before i do that let me thank those of you um, and ask a, uh, or beg apologies uh... my dad uh... some of you already know had had a stroke on friday night has been in the hospital at camden and then got transported to brunswick we didn't put that on social media because we didn't have room in the waiting room for everybody to show up so but i do thank you for your prayers a number of you have been praying he showed some marked improvement last night from the time uh, I went to lunch about two o'clock till I got back around 3.30 or four. And um, <clears throat> before that, he couldn't hardly talk uh, without slurring and barely open his mouth. And um, somehow he's talking just as plain as I am, except without the raspy and hoarseness. Uh, amen, so I give the Lord praise for that. It's good to have my mom right here as well. We'll be going to see him shortly after this up in Brunswick. But God bless you and thank you for being here. Hey, if you, um, I know some of you are staying over because you're serving, but in the first service this morning, we had 450 people in the house. (laughs) Give the Lord praise. (laughs) Amen and amen. Well, Dr. Strawn talked about how Um, we were going to launch this scandalous series, and I've been kind of reserved about putting that word out there because it's kind of got some baggage with it, and a lot of people don't know what it means, although you love a good scandal, huh? Everybody likes to know what's going on. So let me give you our working definition that you need to understand throughout our series. Scandalous is something that causes general public outrage Due to a perceived offense against morality or law, something that is causing general public outrage due to a perceived, that don't mean it is an offense, it means you see it as an offense. Uh, a perceived offense against morality, or law. Let me just talk about Jesus to start with. The prophet Isaiah started out this scandalous stuff 720 years before Christ was born. The prophet Isaiah looked down through the annals of time and said in Isaiah 7 and 14, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Hold the phone for a second. A virgin shall Conceived. Now I know there's a lot of women that have tried to say that. Are y'all with me? But Mary actually was. The Bible says that she was espoused to Joseph, but they had not known each other. That word "known" is they had not had sexual relationship with each other. And so right off of the rip, Isaiah, seven hundred years before Christ even gets here, a scandal has started brewing. A virgin's gonna have a baby. I can see us reading the National Enquirer, right? So it started off scandalous, and but you know, no matter what happened, uh, when I look at the life of Jesus, it seemed like every time he turned around, it's some sort of scandal. But you know, the world's looking for a scandal, isn't that right? All the news agencies are always looking for a scandal, and uh, whether it's real or just perceived, you know, they'll make something out of it. We call it making a mountain out of a molehill. Right, But here's what I want you to get if you don't get anything else. And we're going to look through this series at all of the scandalous things around the life of Jesus. But what I want you to get today on this Resurrection Sunday is that Jesus is alive. Amen? He is risen as he said. Now let me share with you that um, Jesus made no bones about it. He said it publicly again and again that the Son of Man is going to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and the church of the day. That he's going to be killed and after three days, he says, he'll rise again. Jesus made no bones about that, prophesying and speaking about his own death, burial, and resurrection. On two separate occasions, we find that he made reference to the temple. Now, he was not talking about the, matter of fact, you remember when he went to church one day and when he got to the church house or the temple, they called it, he saw the money changers there with their money boxes. And, and I know people that's misguided will say, well, you shouldn't sell a donut or a chicken at church. And I don't think you have to do those things to run the church. But there's nothing wrong with it in the right context. What these people were doing were selling turtle doves and pigeons. And, and, and if it cost, uh, let's just say, a penny, they were charging a dollar and a quarter. They were ripping off God's people. They were charging them more. They were just uh, doing things that was just horrendous. And the people felt bad. They needed a sacrifice, and they just blowed the prices up, you know. And it's kind of like if you need gas, and it's $15 a gallon, and you're out, you got to pay $15 a gallon. And they felt like they needed forgiveness, and they needed penance, and so on and so forth. And so they done what they did. But, but Jesus was infuriated. He took a whip, and he began to, to uh, uh, hit those people, turned over their tables, and said, My Father's house is a house of prayer, and you've made it a den of thieves. And then he said to them, he says, "Um, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it up. They looked at him and said, this temple was 40 and six years in the building, and you'll raise it up in three days. However, the Bible said he spoke of his own body, his temple, not that temple. And that's the problem with churchy kind of people. He said, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. You don't even know what Jesus is talking about. Jesus called them blind people. Then he would speak of things like this. He talked about Jonah. How many of y'all remember Jonah in the Old Testament? Some people like to throw it out, but Jesus used it. He said, as Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days, even so the Son of Man must be in the heart of the earth for three days. He's speaking of his time in the grave, if you will, and that he would come out just as Jonah came out of the sea. And then we think about what Matthew said, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the chief of the corner amen and, and then on top of all this um they said in matthew 27 they were talking about jesus they said i remember that that imposter said when he was alive after three days i will rise so their own words testified of what jesus said now i want to tell you something jesus kept his word are you with me say amen so why then uh, you know it was scandalous that somebody could say oh, i'll build this temple in three days <clears throat> hey Building the temple would have been a feat that took 47 years. It would have been something to do it in three days. But how about raising up a dead man? You know, it'd take me longer than three days to do that. Are y'all hearing me say amen? I mean, to, uh, you know, somebody to give them life again. Scandalous. In other words, a public outrage by the perceived offense against morality or the acceptable standard of the day. Now, I think another time he was in the temple, he was a young boy, he's 12 years old, he's in there and you got guys who are educated. I'm talking about you got educated eggheads there, right? I'm talking about really educated people, doctors of the law, scribes and uh, Pharisees and they're, they're there and this young boy is astounding them at his intellect and his knowledge of the scripture. Are y'all with me? He, it just blows their mind that where do you get such learning? Where do you get such knowledge? I, would, I wish he would have just said right then before Abraham was, I am. Are y'all with me? He was there, you know, when God slung the stars into the morning sky. Are you with me? Say amen. He was there when he said, let there be light. But, but someone no doubt looked at him and said, son, what's your name? And he said, well, on my mother's side, my name is Jesus. But on my father's side, my name is Emmanuel. Another might have said, well, how old are you, boy? And he said, well, on my mother's side, I'm 12 years old. But on my father's side, I have always been. Well, where are you from, son? Well, on my mother's side, I'm from Bethlehem. But on my father's side, it's New Jerusalem. Well, what are your plans, boy? Well, on my mother's side, I'll be crucified. But on my Father's side in three days I'll arise and I'll sit beside him again in the eternal kingdom. You see, Jesus bore the cross. He despised the shame. He done all these things, but he kept his word. Now, why? Why why do you need to know that? It's important for you to know uh, that he's alive, that he is risen, that the tomb is empty because he is the only one that ever kept his word. Are you hearing me? World leaders and world dictators like Mussolini, they didn't keep their word. Stalin didn't keep his word, amen. Uh, um, Hitler didn't keep his word. Confucius didn't keep his. Confucius is dead. Uh, Krishna is dead. Are you hearing me say amen? Uh, Joseph Smith is dead. Allah is dead. Mohammed is dead. But Jesus Christ is alive. His tomb is empty. He kept his word. No one else has ever done it. And they said, that imposter said he'd rise again. I'm going to tell you something. It is scandalous. I got thinking about Lazarus. You remember his good friend Lazarus that fell sick and then died? You know, he fell sick, and then they called Jesus and said, your friend that you love is sick. And he kept on doing ministry for another few days and finally got there. They said, Lord, if I had been here, my brother would live, Because, but, but now he's been dead four days and yet stinks. Can you imagine flies swarming? They believed their tradition was that the spirit lingered over the body for three days. But after three days, the spirit would be gone, and there'd be no hope of raising them back up again. That's why they said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And Lord, if you had done this, and oh, God, if you had just hurried up. And it went on and on and on. But, But Jesus said, your brother shall live again. They said, we know you will live again at the last day at the resurrection. We understand all that. We've been taught the scriptures. And he looked at them and without even blinking said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the truth. You know, how long am I gonna be with this unbelieving generation? Roll away the stone. In other words, do what you can do. And they rolled away the stone. He simply said, Lazarus, come forth. And there broke a scandal that day as that Lazarus wrapped up in grave clothes come bouncing out of a tomb there in the middle of the street. He said, loose him and set him free. Can you imagine the scandal that broke? They said his spirit is already gone, but yet this man said, I am the resurrection, I am the life, and he breathed life back into him. It's amazing, no one else has ever done it. John the Revelator said that Jesus said, I am the one that lives and was dead, and yet I'm alive forevermore, and have in my hand the keys of death and hell. No other savior like him, the Bible says God, has highly exalted him and given him a name above all name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess of things in heaven and things in earth, are y'all hearing me? That he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I find it intriguing that the truth was always opposite what the people said. You ever known somebody, don't look around right now, just look at me, that was such a liar if they spoke, you knew that was a lie and the truth was the opposite of what they said. Just keep looking at me. <laughs> but, but they called him a scoundrel. They called him a rogue. Hey, I've been, you know, somebody called the state office one time when we changed our name to the harbor. Said that Pastor Sange is a renegade. He could pulled out of the church of God. He's done this and that and the other. No such thing. It was a perception on their part, a scandal on their part. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Anyway, I ain't gonna go no further with that, but he says uh, a scoundrel is somebody who is cruel and dishonest. I dare you to find a place in the scripture where Jesus was cruel. Where was he dishonest? Now you're gonna hear me in a moment. He, he, He ain't no wimp. He ain't no pushover. Now, some of y'all think you want Jesus to be your pastor about but you won't when you leave here. It seems to me that most of Jesus' life was a scandal. I look around and I think of the public outrage. Mostly, did you know what? You know who got offended by him the most? All you guests gonna love this. It was the church. It was the religious right wing of the day. The people that's supposed to know better. They're the ones always giving problems, and that's the way it is with me. Anytime we do something brand new, if we launch life groups or if we launch this or we do that, it ain't the outsiders, they love it. Pastor, praise God, let's win the world. And somebody else said, Well, we done tried that. That ain't gonna work and on and on. But hey, let me say this about the harbor. We have the most progressive church. We've got people, I thank God for senior adults that have embraced the vision to do what it takes to reach this generation of people. You not on Ken mentioned a few things, but not only that, but you've just now spent thousands of dollars to upgrade video equipment for the children back there and for those watching by television, those watching by the internet in here, to enhance that to wherever it goes around the world. They can see clearer and closer, and you help do it. Give the Lord praise. But his life, by definition, was a scandal. I mean, he healed people on Sabbath. I mean, he healed people on the Sabbath. And they looked at him and, you know, they said, well, it's, the, it's the Sabbath, let's, let's see what he's going to do. You know what Jesus did? He said, you know, I know it's the Sabbath. I know it's a time of rest, but man, this person needs help. Let's do something for him. You know, imagine you got cut real bad and you're bleeding out. Well, it's the Sabbath. We'll get with you on, uh, we'll get with you on tomorrow. Jesus said, you're foolish. You don't get it. And seven times, seven times, he healed people on the Sabbath. You know why he could give a rip less what the church world thought? Mm. I felt that one back up. One time he got ready to heal somebody. He said, You want me to pray for you to wait? I mean, you really want me to pray for you? Yeah, I want you. He said, All right. And spit on his eyes. Oh, Lord, I can see the National Enquirer and the Miami Herald and the Camden Tribune and all the George and all. He's a man coming, saying, he's living up to his name, spitting on people, he's crazy. And they're scandalous about, you know, it's a public outrage. How can this man come down from above? How can he do this? How can he forgive sins? How, you know, he answers questions with questions and he allows a former prostitute to wash his feet in Simon the Pharisee's house and he does all of these things. How can he be who he says he is? It's so scandalous. Well, he caused such an outrage because of his weird position on almost everything. He'd say things like, feed your enemies if they're hungry. What? <laughs> if he smites thee on one cheek, turn the other. If he's thirsty, get him something to drink. If he's in jail, guilty or not, just go visit him. Hello? You've done wrong too, not you don't nobody know it. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Obey them that have rule over you and don't be rebellious. If you gotta carry a soldier's rucksack for a mile because legally they could grab any citizen and say, carry my rucksack a mile. He said, when you get to the end of the mile, look at him and say, sir, would you rather me carry it another mile and not, don't be a smart enough about it. Say, I'll carry another mile if you want me to. We don't get that. We don't understand that. It's almost scandalous that when he died, he's laying there and they're hammering, pa. How, you know, he's big spikes into his hands and into his feet, across his legs. And he's looking at them and his big brown eyes says, I love you, you Roman centurion. You're hurting me and causing pain, but I love you and I came here for you too. Nobody ever looked like that. Nobody ever talked like that. Nobody ever died like that. And it outraged people. They could not get it. What good thing can come out of Nazareth he said he walked on water he turned water into wine he made the cloud his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind night is like day unto him he has food to eat that we know not of he's here to do the will of one he calls father Amen. It's so scandalous. It caused public outrage uh, because of a perceived, they saw it as offensive to the established church of the day. You know what he said? I came to my own people and my own people didn't receive me. I was in the world and the world was made by me and the world didn't know me. Huh? Oh Lord, let me go on. You see, there were so many things that infuriated the religious people. There were so many things that made them mad, that made it scandalous. It was the claims that he made the Son of God, that he could forgive sins, that he came down from heaven, that he said, I'm going to go and prepare you a place, and if I go and prepare you a place, I'll come again, and I'll receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It's crazy that he would make such a claim, that he would disrupt those making money at the temple, that he would throw their money boxes over, that he would turn loose the doves, that he would whip the people that he would speak to the elements of the wind and the waves and they would obey him what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him he would feed thousands of people on the side of a hill one day it's an outrage, how can it be he takes one boy's lunch feeds thousands of people and takes up 12 basketfuls of fragments so he's forgiving people their sins, he's healing, he's doing this and you know what really got him the most is this here's what got him the most he pointed his long Jewish finger in the face of the organized church of the day, the religion of the day, the Pharisees, and the scribes. And Let me help y'all. Matthew 23. Here he says it like this, and I'm going to read some selected verses. It starts with 13. What sorrow awaits you, you teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, exclamation point, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. hmm you won't go in yourselves and you won't let others in either. What sorrow awaits you, you religious teachers of the law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you'll cross land and sea to make one convert and then you'll turn that person into twice the child of hell that you are. He's talking to the church. He said, my Lord, the people that I come to save, the lost people, they're outside because they can't measure up to the hogwash you've said they gotta measure up to. He said, that is not what I'm about. I've come to seek and to save the lost. You think you're so good, you don't even need a savior. Let me go on. He says, "Uh, what sorrow awaits you, verse 27, you teachers of the law, Pharisees, hypocrites. He said, for you're like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside and filled with inside, you know, with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like religious people. And that's why the church hated him. That's why those in position they felt threatened because he did not buy off on their system. He was a renegade, he was a scoundrel. It was scandalous that he would buck the organized church of the day. But let me go on. He said, uh, yeah, You know, it's beautiful on the outside and on the inside, dead men's bones, full of impurity. Outwardly, you, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Verse 29, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees? Hypocrites! He didn't care nothing about being politically correct. He probably couldn't be on TV today. For you build tombs for the prophets and the ancestors killed. And you decorate the monuments of godly people that your ancestors destroyed. And then you say, if I would lived in the days of my ancestors, I wouldn't have joined them in killing the prophets. Notice what he said. But in saying that, you testify against your own self that you indeed are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started. Snakes, sons of vipers, he says. Um, h- how will you escape the judgment of hell? No, you don't want Jesus to be your pastor. Because he ain't mentioned no words and he don't give a flip what they think or say. He says, therefore, I'm sending you as wise men and teachers of the religious law. He said, but you'll kill some by crucifixion. You'll flog others with whips in the synagogues, chase them from city to city. And as a result, you'll be held responsible for the murder of the godly people of that time from the murder of the righteous Abel to the murder of Zechariah, the son of Bechariah. He says, whom you killed in the temple between the sanctuary and the altar. I tell you the truth, this judgment will fall on this very generation. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have wanted to gather you together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you will not. He tells the religious right of the day, you think you've got this figured out and you know you know what the church had become in that day a business. That's all. That's all it was. So he was a threat to their way of life. He was a threat because not not I mean mainly and primarily because he bucked the system. He didn't care what the Pharisees or the Sadducees thought. He didn't care what they believed. You know, and he told them just like it was. Now, I'll tell you something else that messed him up. And me and you ought to be shouting. Say, hey, praise God, he loved me. Because he hung out with the wrong crowd. Huh? He wasn't down there whining and dining with the chief priests and the elders of the synagogue. He wasn't on a four-day golfing trip with them. But he's out there with a tax collector. Somebody's ripped the people off. Somebody that has taken more than he deserved. Not only, not only was there Zacchaeus, but there was Levi that he called to be a disciple. Y'all with me? Say amen. And then he's hanging out with wine-bibbers, sinners, publicans, adulterers. He, I mean, he goes to the Jacob. You know what he said? I must needs to go through Samaria. Why, Lord? Is that the way? I, I got to go to Samaria. Why? There's going to be a woman there drawing water. You know why she's going to be there in the middle of the day? She don't want to see all the other women there in the early morning because she's probably slept with their husbands. Now, Jesus didn't say it like that, but study tells me that. That she tried to avoid the other women so she came come at the hottest point of the day. But Jesus said, I must need to go through Samaria. You know why? i got to talk to this lady. And while they got there, they said, Master, we ain't eating a while. He said, well, go to town and get something to eat. And while they were going to town, he had a conversation with this woman. He says, give me something to drink. She says, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. And she, he says, but ma'am, if, if you knew who it was that asked you a drink of water, you would ask of him, and I would give you living water that you would thirst not again. And, and you know, he says, where's your husband? And she says, uh, well, I don't have one. He said, that's the truth. You tell a man the truth. You don't have a husband, but you had five. And the one that you're living with right now is not your husband. Oh, whoa, 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 Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. He said, scandalous that he 'd be hanging out of the well with his disciples gone that's a scandal. I mean he'd done things that just did it rubbed against the grain and they did not like it and he didn't care that that 's how far he would come for me and you. Some of us found ourselves in the gutter. Some of us didn't know our name when he found us too. too drunk to know, too high to know, too strung out to know we didn't know where we are, but he came for us. And you know what the churchy people say, man, you gonna let him in your church smelling like alcohol, yes? You gonna let him coming in here knowing that he's been steeped in, yes? You know what he's done, yes? Know what you've done too? Still let you stay? None of us are perfect. Jesus never, never condoned sin. He said to the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, neither do I condemn thee, go sin no more. I mean, he said, go sin no more. He wants repentance. He wants you to turn. He's not saying, come on in and live like hell. He ain't saying that. He's saying, come on in and receive the grace of God that has appeared to all men. And if you've received the grace of God, then who are you to point your bony finger at anybody? Thank God he said that for me. Thank God he said that for you. Wow. So, he's alive. He has risen. You had to know that. It's important because he's the only one that told the truth. Krishna didn't. Muhammad didn't. Buddha didn't. Smith didn't. Stalin didn't. None of those told the truth. But he said, I'm coming back. And he did. Three days he rose again. Guess what? The last thing he said when he he, he led his disciples out to uh, Bethany and he raised his hands and prayed for power to ascend back to the Father, remember what he said um, two men in white apparel angels, I believe it was the same angels that ones at the head and one was at the foot of his bed there at the sepulchre they said you men of Galilee why stand you gazing into heaven for this same Jesus you have seen go today in like manner shall come again what he said is I'll be back and I'm telling you this: if he told us he would rise from the dead on the third day, and the resurrection is true, again and again, proof that it is true. I tell you this: he's been gone a long time, but he is coming again. He's coming again. So what I want you to do, as you stand with me right now, I want you—here's here's your step. I want you to accept this scandalous Savior. 16 people in the early service lifted their hand and said, I'll accept this scandalous Savior as my Lord and my Savior. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you might say, well, Pastor, I don't know that much about you or this church, but I sure believe. And furthermore, I feel what you're saying today. I believe it's true. And what he did is real. He's alive. He arose. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to accept Him as my Lord and Savior. I want to believe in Him. I want to walk in that path. If you're here today, I'm not going to embarrass you. You're not going to come up here and speak in front of the people and all that. I want to pray for you. Would you just lift your hand right now where you are and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to accept that Savior in my life. Hold your hand up high so I can see Him, would you? Come on. I see one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I see at least eleven hands that have gone up. Perhaps twelve. It's a simple prayer and it goes like this, and I want you to pray it with me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've tried it my way and it didn't work. I want you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I want you to be the Lord of my life. You have rose from the grave. You're alive today. I understand it. I believe it. You are the son of the living God. and The Bible says that if I believe in you and the fact that you rose from the grave, I shall be saved. If I believe that in my heart and confess that with my lips and right now with my hand lifted, And with my mouth, I confess that I am saved in the name of Jesus. Church, I want you to join me right now in praying for these 11 or 12 that have just accepted Christ. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for those that have accepted you as Lord and Savior. I know it matters. I know there's a radical change coming to them. I know something's different in their life. There'll be changed forevermore and eternity. I give you the glory for what you're doing in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.